Welcome to the Pitch Podcast, where entrepreneurs and cutting edge companies come to tell us about the products they're making, the ideas they're spending time on, and the problems they're solving. Here's your host, Warren Spiewak. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about reliability. We've got Pinnacle Reliability on the show with us today. Jeff Krimmel, who is the Chief Strategy Officer, and Nathaniel, who is the VP of Business Development, will be joining us for a conversation. We're going to be learning everything that we can in this episode about who should be taking advantage of the offering of Pinnacle Reliability, why it matters, and what you can expect when you optimize and become super efficient with your data. So with that, welcome to the show, Nathaniel, Jeff. How are you guys this morning? Thanks, Warren. I'm good. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having us on. Awesome. Well, I don't know your business like you do. You know, I've done a little bit of research, you know, when it comes to words like optimization and efficiency, maybe I'm not describing that right. Kind of walk us through what you guys do day in, day out, and really, who are the companies you guys work with? Yeah, thanks, Warren. In short, we help industrial facilities be more reliable. Before I joined Pinnacle, I was like, man, is reliability even a thing? It turns out it's a really important thing. Bottom line, it basically means we can help industrial facilities make more products, be more reliable, and make sure they're spending maintenance dollars in the right places. And also guarding against major process safety or explosion, loss of containment incidents. Our typical customers, they range across any heavy manufacturing space. So that includes in oil and gas, upstream, midstream, downstream, chemical facilities, mining facilities, water, wastewater, pharma, breweries, wood mills, and the list goes on. So basically anybody who has heavy manufacturing assets that's producing something, that's really where our services apply. And typically they need better reliability and make sure they're spending maintenance dollars well. You know, a question I have for you is when a company is looking into investing into your services, the value that you guys bring, what are the reasons? Like, where do you find the gaps where somebody uncovers not just what you guys provide, but learns your value proposition and says, you know what, this could really be something we need to look at? Yeah, frankly, I'm astounded every year I'm in this business, just how important reliability is to the bottom line. And we're seeing it more and more, Jeff can corroborate this, but more and more at the executive level that it's one of the major levers that these industrial owner operators can pull to really improve their business. So just as an example, typical facilities we are working with, they have opportunity to improve production through better reliability, five to 15%. That's typical. Sometimes there's a lot more than that. But if a facility has an operating margin of you know a million dollars a day, that if they're making product that day, they make a million dollars bottom line, then that five to 15% amounts to 15 million to 50 million in improved production annually, which is again, straight to the bottom line. On top of that, probably 20% of maintenance spend is just often wasted. It's wasted because they're just spending it on the wrong things, or they're doing it inefficiently, or they're doing it reactively. And reactive maintenance is typically three to five times more expensive than doing it proactively. Just like if something on your car breaks, it's a lot more expensive to repair it. If you you do it reactively, you're in the shop, and it just takes more time, and it's more costly. Similar thing for our customers. And so when you add those value props together, you're talking, again, 20 to 55 million at an average facility per year and opportunity. And then if I'm a VP of operations over multiple facilities, you're talking in hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars of opportunity to get reliability right across my fleet. And so again, more and more, we're just seeing at executive levels that reliability is one of the key levers they can pull. And that doesn't even include the safety component, 
there's been studies that show basically high correlation between if I do reliability better, my process safety and just personnel safety gets better as well. And so that's good for the employee. It's good for the company. Nobody wants a minor process safety incident or a major explosion type media event. So that's just added value on top of that. So that we're talking big numbers that the prize is pretty big to get reliability right. Okay. So let's dive into this. Like for a listener, can you share with me, like, who is it that you're usually working with? Like, who are the people that as they listen to what we're about to get into, they're able to say, you know what, I need to reach out to these guys. This is like, what is the problem we're solving? And what is the benefit essentially to that initial conversation that leads to somebody getting into this more optimized performance, getting into the reliability portion of their organization? Yeah. So if the prize is that big, let's say I'm a plant manager or I'm over multiple facilities and I know, hey, I have tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of opportunity to get reliability right. The technical challenge to do that is pretty big. It's wide in nature and it's also pretty technically complex. And so as an example, if I'm a plant manager, I have a $30 million maintenance budget. How do I know that I'm spending those maintenance dollars and inspection dollars in the right places to maximize production the next quarter, the next year, the next three years? through my next turnaround cycle, if I'm shutting down, that's a very complex question to ask myself as a plant manager. And the reality is the bigger facilities, you think big refineries, big manufacturing plants, a lot of times they have some reliability groups in-house or in their corporate group. Maybe that plant manager can rely on a bit, but a lot of times those groups, they're more like maintenance, glorified maintenance engineers. They're reacting to failures. So I might say, I'm going to go after this prize. And if I talk to my reliability group, they're just reacting to failures at the facility on a daily basis. On top of that, it's not uncommon for us to go into a facility and there's tens of thousands of just hard copy maintenance documents, inspection documents, different design documentation just all over the place. It could be in a file room, file cabinets, whatever. So if I ask that plant manager, hey, if you bring up a single asset and tell me what's the maintenance you did on this asset and tell me, hey, what's the plan to go make that asset more reliable in the future? Getting that documentation, getting the right data, just that is a major chore and same thing if I ask my maintenance or reliability group to do that. So all that to say, there's documentation all over the place. There's data all over the place. There's different softwares that maybe my teams like or don't like, but they have data in different systems. Again, it's really hard to come back to that plant manager or VP and say, how do I make sure I'm spending those dollars in the right places and doing the right maintenance activities? Where we come to the table is we really start from ground zero and say, number one, do you know what assets you have in the field? And you'd be surprised that a lot of facilities, they don't know what's been taken out of service. They don't know if what is on their engineering documentation is correct. And so one is just helping them define a good equipment list and making sure that's represented in their systems. Two is organizing all the documentation and data that they have in different systems. So whether it's in software or in those hard copy files I talked about, we have systems and processes that help us do that a lot faster and better and digitize that data, bring it together. And then we'll basically use all that data which includes design data, process data, historical maintenance data, inspection data, and bring it together in a pretty sophisticated reliability model. So on an asset level, we'll figure out how does that asset, how can it fail? What are the things you can do to prevent that failure? What are the things you can use do to detect failure if it's early on in the failure kind of life cycle, if you will? And then we can say, okay, here's all the things that you need to be doing on that asset. But higher level, we'll then put a model around that and say, let's contextualize that asset among your total production train or facility. Because it's not about that one asset. It's about how does that asset affect the overall production of your facility? So we'll model all that out and we'll build a really, really powerful reliability model that also incorporates machine learning type big data into it. And essentially, at the end of that, we can tell the facility, hey, here's all the maintenance activities you need to do, inspection activities you need to do, and the value of each one of those. And we'll roll that up at a facility level. So now that plant manager can say, 
I had a $30 million maintenance budget. I now know I only need 25 million of that. And I'm going to deploy that in a different way and get 10% more production the next three years through both stuff I'm doing during my shutdown or turnaround and stuff I'm doing while I'm online. And now I have a very value-based paper documentation data model trail that just makes me confident I'm doing the right stuff. And it's all in one place. That's really kind of boiled down what we do. There's a lot of other, you know, once I have that plan, there's a lot of other things like, how do I make sure I'm executing that maintenance well? So procedures and documenting that in systems and then making sure that people are working that plan and putting it back in that model so it gets smarter over time. So there's a lot of cultural things that we also support with, but that kind of high level is our approach to solving the technical challenge that plant manager is having and struggling with. How do I go from not knowing if my budget's being spent well to, oh, now I'm very confident it's being spent well and I have the right number to get the production targets that I have to hit. I love that. And, you know, I really want to dive into several different things, not just what I've read, but I know that as I've kind of researched this subject, there's different claims that I've read about, I've kind of learned about, and I'd like to just toggle between the two of you, more so with you, Nate, thinking from like the client perspective. And then Jeff, I do just want to pivot that to overall strategy. And here's the components that I have that I'd like to cover. So there is this concept of better, faster, having more production. And then there's with reliability, I think I've read a little bit about safety, So I'd like to like unbundle all of those just like section by section. And if you don't mind, I kind of just want it from the two points of view. One is very client facing. And then there's also this idea for the bigger picture. You know, I know that there's um, a lot of components that leadership in an organization have to consider that's beyond just money, right? It's more so it's not just about the fact that they can produce more. There's a bigger picture to that. So let's just start off with that whole topic of better, faster. I'll start with you, Nathaniel with your concept of client facing, where you're sitting in these offices and how this offering that you have gets communicated to your clients. Yeah, I mentioned there's a high correlation between safety and reliability. The typical places where we, our unique ability is around what I call process safety or what we call process safety. And so if I have a hole through on a pipe or I have a hole through on a vessel and that results in a loss of containment event, that's what's called a process safety or loss of containment event, which results in typical downtime, but also major HSE risk. We've had clients that they had a failure on a pipe or a vessel and it essentially brought the whole facility or operation down. It even bankrupted customers. And so it's a big deal. So that's really the space that we play in. Now, if you get process safety right, typically you're going to have a high correlation of personnel HSE safety as well. But process safety is really our focus. And so if you look at a just a vessel, a fixed equipment pressure vessel, and you say, hey, I want to make sure that vessel's reliable, there's different failures that can happen. I can have internals on that vessel fail which could be more of a production-related failure, or I could have a loss of containment event that does still result in downtime, but also the HSE risk. What our clients in the oil and gas space do typically is they separate those two types of failure. So they say, functional failure on the inside, if it doesn't get out, I'm going to call that reliability. If it does affect a loss of containment event, I call that mechanical integrity or a wider view of process safety. What we see in our customers is a lot of times they will separate the groups that they use to tackle those two solutions. And typically what we see, and these are at the most sophisticated reliability oil and gas guys in the world, they'll separate the groups, they'll use different models to calculate risk for each one of those things. They'll have different data sets that are feeding those models. And most of those models are very static. And so what you have is two groups at your facility and a corporate working on basically trying to get more reliable, trying to get safer, but they're doing it in parallel. They're not collaborating, different models, different data sets. We see it just frankly, very inefficient and not as nearly as effective as it could be. So hopefully that gets it starting kind of the customer perspective of your question. 
It does. And Jeff, something interesting about your background is you've been in a position where you've been on the outside able to look into this industry. Let's go through this better, faster, a little bit. What are the things that maybe just the typical client isn't considering where engagement with you guys really takes it to the next level? That's right. So I've been at Pinnacle for nearly three years now. So before that time, I was on the outside looking in. And frankly, I just not thought deeply at all about industrial reliability. I was more of what Nathaniel had said early on in the conversation about, yeah, I just assume it's table stake stuff that everyone has licked and we can move on. So now that I'm in this space, it's fascinating, frankly, how interesting and complex a problem industrial reliability is. And when you come in from the outside, you know, there's an alphabet soup of tools and approaches and techniques that are used to pursue industrial reliability. And within each of those silos, if you zoom in closely enough on any one of those tools, it makes perfect sense why that tool exists, how it's being used, the kinds of folks that are well-practiced in it and typically facilitate the use of those kinds of tools. What gets interesting, it happens even on the level of a single piece of equipment. If you zoom in far enough in industrial liability, any one element of it makes a whole lot of sense. The real challenge is as you start to zoom out, the picture gets blurrier. You don't sort of resolve into anything that's recognizable. And that's the real challenge. Nathaniel had talked about, say, around the use of data. Almost all of our customers have enormous volumes of data, and many of them have pursued you know, reasonably sophisticated digital transformation efforts. And so the existence of data or the systems in place to store or organize those kinds of data, that's not necessarily a challenge in and of itself. The challenge becomes exactly what he was talking about. Having a single source of truth, that's an easy phrase to utter. It's a very difficult achievement to accomplish inside of one of these facilities. You also have just the discoverability. Not all this data is digitized. Even some of it is digitized doesn't necessarily live in places that people know about. It could be embedded in an Excel book in some site that no one's aware of. And so there's some effort that's not terribly sexy at all about grabbing this data, cleaning it, organizing it, contextualizing. So, you know, if we're calling a single piece of equipment A here and B in another place, we have some sort of map to understand that it's actually the same piece of equipment that we're talking about. This stuff isn't sexy. And I think when you're incredibly well-practiced in the industrial reliability space, you can lose the force for the trees type effect. And so at Pinnacle, what we try to do is zoom all the way out, build these models that Nathaniel was talking about, where we're capturing and ingesting reliability data across the whole spectrum of a facility, and really now able to understand how relatively small performance changes for a single piece of equipment, how that would impact the performance of the facility as a whole. And again, those are easy words to say. It's incredibly unsexy work to do. It's always fun to talk about the artificial intelligence and the sophisticated statistical backends to what we're doing. And all that stuff is impressive. I do like talking about it. And we have a bunch of smart people that are working endlessly to make that stuff happen. And yet, none of that stuff really has any value if you don't do the unsexy blocking and tackling on the front end. That is the bulk of the value that we provide. We show up and we like to describe ourselves as an easy button where we can help these facilities that in general know exactly what they want to accomplish. And they're aware of the tool sets that exist to get them there. We're able to help them pull those tool sets together, use them much more efficiently, capture these gains much more quickly, and move past this siloed, fractured approach that, like I said, is a completely understandable evolution how we got to this point. It's just not good enough to get us where everyone's trying to go from here. I love that. And you know, something that is interesting, especially when you think about data and internet of things, you know, here it is, I'm not a super technical person when it comes to the technology that is used in the oil and gas industry. But something you hear a lot just from being around, what, you know, like I've been around this audience for a few years now, but some of it is like, okay, so what if you've mastered collecting a bunch of data, if you're not using it and you don't know how to connect the dots and make it work for you, you're not really getting the result. And some of what you guys, what it sounds to me like really where this affects the bottom line 
is you guys are actually able to grab the data that matters and affect it, yes, with inventory. I know we're going to talk more a little bit about the maintenance part of it, but I mean, the idea of, yeah, better, faster, yes, more production sounds really awesome. There is this bottom line thing, but then there is actually using, I would imagine there's a lot of investment into collecting data, and then you guys would actually make that collection matter. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I want to go down that road of actually somebody understanding what's going on in all of these different aspects of their business within your clientele. Absolutely. I was with a customer recently and they had invested in putting vibration sensors on a lot of their rotating equipment, right? I mean, the cost of hardware has gone down. The fact of sending a technician to go do vibration routes is really getting dilapidated now. So they had put all these sensors all over their rotating assets and they realized that they weren't really doing any good analysis on it. They had all this data coming in, but nobody was looking at it or assimilating that into a collective model that informs the rest of their maintenance plan. So literally, they invest all this money and we're doing nothing with it. And so now they're switching that vendor to another vendor that will do some analysis, but they're still not going to have that brought into a uh, centralized model. So to your point, there's more and more data coming in, but still going back to that plant manager example I anchored on, is that data going through an analysis set that gets the plant manager to say, man, are we doing the right stuff across my operation that relates back to my production target? And that's a lot of times where the gap can be. Yeah, I was going to say, it's one of the reasons you know we describe ourselves as an industrial reliability services company. We do put an emphasis around services. We're not a reliability technology company, say. There are, software tools are fantastic. I'm not trying to sit here and poo-poo software tools. They're fantastic. They can get better and they get incredibly powerful and they bring us value that we otherwise wouldn't have. So it's excellent. The challenge is technology on its own doesn't really solve any of these problems. You need a services bit around it to really make sure these plants get the value they need to get you know, from deploying this technology. Some of it very much is, like you said, around data gathering. And even upstream of that, there's this notion of how valuable is a single piece of data? How valuable is capturing a data point? And is it sufficiently valuable that it justifies the cost to have us go out and go capture that data? In many cases, it's actually surprising how not valuable any particular data point or data set winds up being. When you model reliability at the plant level, you can really understand how much uncertainty do we have in estimating when different pieces of equipment will fail, when we will lose uptime and availability and productivity out of this plant. And the name of the game then is we want to extend those runways and reduce the uncertainty around which we're making these predictions. Those are the two most important things we're doing from a modeling perspective. When it comes to that uncertainty piece, we can really understand which data matters, which data is going to tell us much more about the plant's performance than not. And we can then target our data collection efforts around the most valuable data. That is a step of the process that you know, when we see facilities that need the most help, that they just skip. And frankly, a lot of reliability practitioners in the space of other service companies they just don't think to go there because the thought is that ah, data is just so cheap and why not go censor things up and just grab it? And that way, if we need it later, we have it. It turns out there is an opportunity cost to going and grabbing this data. There's a financial opportunity cost, but then incredibly importantly, there's a you know, mental bandwidth capacity cost. We have our highest profile resources in these plants thinking and processing and wondering and you know, being curious about data sets that aren't being used the right way or aren't being used at all. Those are all are distractions and keep our folks from doing the most important work. So one of the most important things we do when we partner with these customers is really understand the value of data, go aggressively target that high value data, but don't deploy resources against the low or marginal value data. Awesome. And then going into software being a tool, I mean, here you have, there's a significant human element to what goes on in the field and how these companies depend on their people. But then when you guys get connected into it, can we just dive into how the software, what impact do you see it make? How do you build a value case for a prospect? Yeah, 
we do see a lot of times that a customer might be faced with that big prize to get reliability better. And the reaction oftentimes is, oh, we need to go buy a software or buy a set of softwares. And a lot of times that's driven by the IT groups, typically in a corporate setting, right? So the corporate IT group comes in, is how we're going to select a better maintenance management system or a machine learning system. And oftentimes there's very little link with the operational ranks to say, okay, what do you really need? Number one. And number two, connecting that to some sort of value proposition to your prompt warrant. And so that's a lot of times where, where we come into play. And so what I'll say is, man, if you're trying to buy software, but don't understand where that fits in your work process from how does data come in? How do I manage that data? How do I then make that informs the intelligence models that I have? And then that enables me to make better maintenance planning decisions that I go execute. If you don't know where that software fits in that overall work process, and you don't know how data is going to feed that software or come out of it, and how it's really going to help your people make better, faster decisions, then you're wasting your time. And it's not just wasting your time. You're creating, to Jeff's comment, a lot of mental bandwidth issues because you're focusing on that instead of the real problem. And so good software is very helpful, but we see a lot of times it's either the wrong software is bought, it's not put into the right work process, and it makes people more frustrated and doesn't result in bottom line results. Hopefully that's helpful. That is. And something else, I want to use the word isolation because sometimes when people are recognizing where their weakest link is or where they're most, what's impacting them negatively the most within their company, sometimes they think it's an isolated vertical that it is. But I remember, Jeff, in one of our conversations, you were just telling me about how everything is connected to this one thing and that there's actually a, you do have to zoom out and look at it from a bigger picture in order to uncover some of the nuances that are happening that are costing your business. It's exactly right. You know, it gets to Nathaniel's earlier point around reactivity is mm -hmm. incredibly important. And I think it's well understood in the industry, but it's actually more nefarious than is commonly understood, I believe. You get into this cycle of reactivity and it's really a whack-a-mole game is the easiest way to think about it. Where something goes down, you spit out the team to react to it, you know, deploy your resources, you react effectively. And in some cases you can react more quickly than you would have expected. You can spend less money than you would have expected to respond to this sort of failure. And then everyone you know, slaps backs, high fives, and hey, we won the day and on to the next effort. And then you just repeat this cycle endlessly. So there's a challenge just to the reactivity itself. And like Nathaniel mentioned, it's just more costly to play the reliability game that way. But it's actually more nefarious in the sense that the distraction that you're being pulled into through the reactivity is keeping you from zooming out and really appreciating the connectivity that exists across the system that basically none of these assets are performing in isolation. And these failure modes that Nathaniel was talking about, these damage mechanisms that exist, if we can model those with more sophistication to understand what exactly is causing this piece of equipment to fail, whether it's within the boundaries of this piece of equipment, within the boundaries of this one circuit or further upstream or downstream within the plant, there's a lot of context here that we need to pull into the model to really understand what's causing downtime when we see downtime. And like I was talking about before with the uncertainty, what's creating so much uncertainty in our ability to predict how this plant is going to perform going forward? It's these connection points between you know, different pieces of equipment, between different units that matter immensely. And those are incredibly difficult to model. It makes sense why that work has not been done incredibly rigorously and deeply to this point. It's one area that we identify as being critical and resolving in order to get these plants to perform the way that we all know they can. So it's where we've spent a fair bit of our developmental efforts. And when we collaborate with clients, you know, communicating with them around understanding these points of connection, because they matter deeply in understanding why the plant performs exactly the way it does. Awesome. And so like for somebody, I see we're coming up on towards the end of the episode, for someone out there that's saying, hey, how do I get past go? How do I get started? What would my next steps be to reach out to your team? Can you walk us through the best way to start the process with Pinnacle Reliability? 
Yeah, simple as you can go on our website, there's contact information there, or feel free to reach out to me directly. I think my information will be in the notes of this. I will share both of you guys' LinkedIn profiles in our show notes to make sure if anyone wants to connect with you guys directly there. But yeah, and then going through the website, they can, I guess, submit a form and set a meeting. That's it. And we take those very seriously. So, you know, we're not pushing a simple software or a simple transactional thing. So we understand that Hey, there's big opportunity at stake. And sometimes these can be very complex arrangements, but we want to make sure we understand what's the current state of that facility or set of facilities and where they're looking to go. And then we can help them kind of architect a plan. So it really starts with the first discussion where we will make sure we're helping them paint that picture and give clear steps forward of how to go get the prize. When a company is considering that first meeting, can you just, this might be something someone who really knows this business would really know, but I would just say, who are the people in the room that you would say, really handle this within their company? Who are the invitees that you would suggest considering when it comes to that first official meeting? Great question. I'll give you three different types of people. One is going to be somebody that really owns the reliability group at their facility, or it could be a corporate reliability person who knows reliability well, they're struggling, they want to get better. Two could be really the person who owns the purse strings for the operation. So that's the plant manager, again, VP of operations, executive level, who's responsible for the P&L for a whole fleet of facilities. Those people obviously want to get, you know, they want to pull whatever levers they can. And they're saying, hey, how do I get this done? That's kind of the second group. And the third group is really on the IT side. So if they're saying, hey, we want to do digital transformation, and we also don't want to combat our operational folks who want to do this well, we help those groups a lot. So those are the three groups that typically are reaching out to us that we can really help. We'll adapt kind of how we work with that group and also socialize it with the other groups as needed to make real change happen in the organization. I love that. Well, Jeff, Nathaniel, thank you so much for joining us today. Pinnacle Reliability, I think this is a great thing. It looks like definitely something people need to be considering, especially if you want to make these improvements and hit these check marks. So thank you both. And thank you for joining us at the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast. See you guys. Thanks, Warren. Yeah, thanks, Warren. Check us out next week for another fun and growth-minded episode of Pitch Podcast, where companies join us to share their solutions with the world. Sign up for our mailing list to learn more about our upcoming events at OGGN.com.